You're just one, one decision away mm -hmm. from changing your life forever. And although it may be the most difficult thing that you'll have to go through. And, you know, I think um, when you do leave, you know, a partner and you do make that decision, you know, there is, there is a tunnel of grief that, you know, I, I'd like to call where you enter this tunnel and, you know, where you have to grieve that you have to go through these things um, and you can't just ignore it or distract it or because the grief and the trauma is there and it's not going away. Beautiful souls. Oh, this conversation was such a heart opener and a truly immaculate representation of what is possible when you embark on a journey of self-discovery and healing. I had the honor of sitting down with a beautiful brother I have had the privilege of connecting with through some recent trainings in the field of trauma healing and entheogenic integration. And so Armando Canales is here on the pod today to share his personal journey of navigating grief and how plant medicine and the spirit of ayahuasca have helped him navigate that path. I would also like to add an important preface to this podcast. I have been speaking about and interviewing guests about plant medicine more and more lately. And though I have been conscious about emphasizing the importance of preparation, intention, safety, set and setting, and integration, I truly don't think that these variables can be emphasized enough. Plant medicine is not for everyone. And it absolutely, positively should not be used in an attempt to outright heal or fix oneself. Not that any of us need fixing. But I believe that the medicines that Mother Earth gives to us hold profound power for healing and consciousness. And they also must be used with the utmost respect reverence, and in an informed way, as they can be abused just as easily as any other drug. So, I would highly, highly, highly encourage each and every one of you listening to do your due diligence and research prior to embarking on any of these journeys. I also truly believe that the spirit of the medicine will call to you if and when you are ready and meant to work with it. And until that happens, if it does, work on getting to know yourself and being comfortable in the discomfort that goes hand in hand with solitude. Breath work is a tool that can be used just as and if not more potent in healing than some plant medicine, and it comes with far less risk. There are other things like cold therapy, time in nature, meditation, sound healing, and so many other practices and modalities that are available to each and every one of us, many of them for free. And again, I emphasize that this is the work. 
that is going to get you in touch with your own heart and soul. So please, please, please do not dive into the realms of plant medicine on a whim. Get to know yourself first. Start healing using basic techniques and the wisdom of your own body and then use that inner intuition to guide you as to whether or not plant medicine is the next step for you. So I hope that these discussions bring awareness to these topics and the importance of all of the former that I have just barely scratched the surface on in this intro. But please always listen with an open mind, an open heart, and a great level of discernment, whether it's my podcast or the words of another that are in your ears. With much love and no further ado, here is my good friend, Armando Canales. Officially, welcome Armando Carnales to the Big Little Soul podcast. It is an honor to have you here and I'm very excited for today's conversation. I know that you bring a lot of wisdom and a lot of your own personal experience in this realm to the table here and so I'm just very excited to have you on and one thing I just wanted to mention coming into the podcast here is that um, when you sent me your little bio it just it never ceases to amaze me people's backgrounds and you have worn so many hats in this life you have played so many roles and so I think it's just such a beautiful representation of how life can just shift in so many ways and to have brought you to where you are now to be doing this medicine work and to be stepping into this role as an integration coach. And yeah, I would love for you to maybe just give a little tidbit about your background and how that path kind of evolved for you from being very largely based in the corporate world to now being where you are. Well, thank you, Sarah. That is um, such a wonderful question. Um, but first, let me say there's no other place that I'd rather be but here with you right now at this moment. Um, so I appreciate you. And I thank you for the for sharing this, uh, this story and the knowledge that hopefully that we can provide to others uh, in their time of need, because uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of hurt people out there going on. You know, it's going on right now in society. It's a very, very tough uh, situation for a lot of folks. And yeah. so just to um, to give you kind of my background and yes, I have wore many hats <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's I've always kind of just went on my own drumbeat per se. You know, I come from a um, a very poor family in Rock Falls, Illinois, and shout out to those Rock Falls people out there. <laughs> and uh, I just, um, you know, being raised and born in that environment, it put a fire in me to never allow myself to be in a financial situation like that ever again. And I learned that at a very, very young age when, you know, when you're on welfare and food stamps and, you know, just trying to make it from week to week that uh, there's, there's got to be a better way out there. So um, I uh, joined the military in 1992 ish, three ish. Actually, that's not true. 1996. And uh, I decided to um, do that for uh, the next 21 years. 
Wow. So I became an officer in the Air Force um, and then retired as a major in, uh, in 19, or I'm sorry, in 2016. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to go a different route and went into the financial industry and then obtained my Series 7 license as a licensed stockbroker, Series 66, an accredited asset management specialist certification as well. And I did that world for about six years. And I did that because that's what I had been taught. Mm-hmm. is to take care of your family at all means necessary and to sacrifice yourself, um, whatever it took to make sure that, you know, my children and, and wife, my partner at the time would never, you know, be in a financial situation if they could always rely on me and, or us, you know, as my wife had worked as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so we just continued down that, you know, corporate path, but I felt so unsatisfied towards the end, you know, even though that I had worked so hard to obtain all these different things and reach these goals that I thought were really important to me. Um, and that was just the ego driven mind that mm-hmm. I was living in for, you know, 46 years, I would say is just constantly just feeding myself with uh, materialism and, you know, what, you know, how big is the bank account and size of the home and all those different types of things. But I was so unsatisfied. Um, so in um, in 2020, I decided I had, you know, a, a significant um, experience happen to me in Omaha, Nebraska in uh, May of 2020. And that, you know, set me off to another uh, transformational process, per se. And, um, so went through a very difficult divorce, um, and, uh, that was finalized in 2021. And, you know, there are two truths about divorce is, uh, divorce is really hard. And then number two is divorce is really hard. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it truly is, and it truly is. And, and I'll be honest, I went down this, you know, this dark path of self-sabotage and you know just victimhood and poor me and you know of course some of that was definitely warranted because of what i had gone through however um you know i was down a dark path i knew i was you know i was kind of self imploding per se having that that midlife crisis if you will yeah. and uh, that was no doubt it was really going on in real time and it seemed like for a year that you know before you know it uh, um i'm on my own I lost my business Mm. and I'm by myself in a new state. I mean, that's, that's really where I was at. Um, This was the universe telling me that the life that I had been living was no longer and had not been in alignment with me um, for a while. And I felt, and I, I actually felt this pressure in the military right before I retired that I was so unhappy with uh, just, you know, with, um, the profession in general with, uh, just the marriage in general. Um, um, not that it was her fault or mine, but you know, marriages and the, the dissolution of marriages are both parties responsibility. And I take full mm-hmm. responsibility and accept that. Um, but you know, I just, uh, was reaching a point in my life where really I was going through a midlife crisis and, um, cause I just was not happy. All these things that society tells you that's going to make you happy in terms of, money and possessions and this job and this title was all a lie. It was a complete lie. And it may work for some people that are still, you know, in that ego driven mind. And Mm -hmm. frankly, 95% of Americans are, that's exactly where they are. 
But when you start to realize that, you know, it's no longer serving you and it's just making you more unhappy, then, you know, you have no choice. I guess you do have a choice. You can either continue down that, that circle of just frustration and continue with the same toxic patterns that you have created for yourself. Or you can really take a look at yourself and start to realize that I need to make some changes. So, yeah. and so during that last year, prior to my use of ayahuasca, um, you know, I was um, self-medicating, you know, every day, every other hour with marijuana, I became addicted to it. Mm. It was uh, something that I did not believe that I could become addicted to, <laughs> but I absolutely was addicted to marijuana. And I was just looking for that escape. Where is that escape to so I can feel loved and valued and feel, you know, just comfortable in terms of feeling safe and secure. And, um, you know, we don't want to talk about those things because men have to be men Mm -hmm. and we can't be vulnerable and we can't show our emotions and we can't show our feelings. Well, that all worked well for me. Until, you know, finally I had a severe anxiety attack in May of 2020 and that severe anxiety attack in May of 2020, not only changed my life forever, but it changed my family's life. And, uh, that happened in Omaha, Nebraska. And, uh, four days later I left the state and I never went back. Wow. And that was what I knew that, and it was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my life. And there's many times where I, you know, I think about that decision and, uh, you know, where it's led me in this path now, but, um, at that time and how I felt it was necessary for me, for my own mental health mm-hmm. was to try to figure out what was going on, figure out where I felt safe and secure in a home that was loving and caring and, and, you know, nurturing and being able to communicate our feelings. So I knew that I could not heal and recover in Omaha, that I needed to leave the state. Mm-hmm. So that's what I chose to do. So I've been on my own, had that addiction to marijuana and then um, self, a lot of self-sabotage for a year. And then I had a good friend of mine, two of them actually, who said, hey, brother, you know, we tried ayahuasca, um, you know, back in you know, a few months ago and you, know, you might want to consider it. Mm-hmm. And at first I knew a little bit about ayahuasca. I just from, you know, I happen to be a very curious person by nature. Yeah. So I uh, was paying attention to, you know, what some of the properties are and then some of the effects and how it can help with post-traumatic stress and chronic stress, anxiety, depression, things of that nature. I know ayahuasca has been, you know, proven to do those things and Mm -hmm. it's been used for thousands of years now. So I finally went and had my first ayahuasca experience in July of 2020 at a place called um, Soul Quest in Orlando, Florida. Mm. And uh, that was a, a profound moment for me that I'll frankly never forget. Um, it was a, a top five memory in my life <laughs> where it allowed me to, for the first time to slowly disconnect from that ego and realize that, um, that I needed to forgive and that I need to forgive myself. I need to forgive the people that in my life that I felt that hurt me the most yeah. and, you know, just show love to myself. And, um, and, uh, that's when the healing process started. Mm. 
Beautiful. Well, before we dive in, I would love for you to share more about the details of that journey and ayahuasca and just everything that goes into a medicine ceremony. Um, But I did want to touch a few really powerful things that you said, and also just to take a moment to really honor your journey and the courage that it takes to step out of exactly how you said it, what the world had taught you to do, what you had been told was the way that was quote unquote, right to live your life and to do work in this world. And as you said, those patterns work for us until they don't right? When, when you get stuck in those cycles where your soul knows that it's just, it's not working for you. It's not in alignment. And then we do all these things as an attempt to escape from that knowing of being out of alignment. And that's so often when we find ourselves in addictions, like your personal experience with marijuana and we we try to escape but in that attempt to escape the true essence of who we are we get even more lost on our path and i know from personal experience and just from conversing with so many people who have walked similar paths how difficult it can be to pull yourself out of that space because as confronting as it is and uncomfortable as it is, it also keeps us in a zone of comfort to a certain degree as well. And also keeps us feeling safe in playing small, really in not challenging ourselves to do the things and take the scary leaps that send us upon that trajectory of being more in alignment with our soul. And so, yeah, I just really wanted to take a moment to commend you for getting to that place where you recognized what was not working and what was out of alignment. And actually taking action on that right because awareness is one thing and that's a beautiful piece but to have the awareness and then to act on that and take radical responsibility for your own state of being and the trajectory of your life that takes an immense amount of courage and honesty with yourself so I just really want to honor you in that process and everything that you went through to get to where you are well thank you that means a lot to me Um, and I hope that you know this discussion really helps others that are currently going through that situation where you don't feel that you are necessarily in alignment with yourself that you're just one one decision away Mm-hmm. from changing your life forever. And although it may be the most difficult thing that you'll have to go through. And, you know, I think um, when you do leave, you know, a partner and you do make that decision, you know, there is, there is a tunnel of grief that, you know, I'd, I'd like to call where you enter this tunnel and, you know, where you have to grieve that you have to go through these things um, and you can't just ignore it or distract it or because, the grief and the trauma is there and it's not going away. And you might be able to distract yourself from it for a little bit, maybe with a new partner 
or, you know, whatever the case may be a new hobby, but eventually that grieving time and that trauma is going to show itself. It's going to manifest, manifest itself. And it can do that in many different ways where even diseases can crop up. And actually that happened in my situation as well, um, where I had to, uh, I became, uh, I had a psychosomatic response to an event during that divorce where I had so much, um, uh, stress and anxiety from the situation that I became gluten intolerant, Mm -hmm. um, which took me about three weeks and 25 pounds later to figure out, but you know, that just goes to show you that, you know, the stress is real on your body Mm -hmm. and, you know, which is something that we don't talk a lot about, but, uh, so if anything, I hope that this can inspire someone to make the decision for them. Yeah, absolutely. And that piece is so massive. The, the fact that when we store and suppress emotions and trauma, that they do begin to express themselves on the physical level. And this is something that thankfully to due to the work of Gabor Mate and many of the other mm-hmm. big leaders in this realm, this message is getting out there more, but it's still in the early phases of really becoming common knowledge. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I mean... Our, our environment literally changes our DNA as do our thoughts. And so when we are storing thoughts and emotions and not allowing ourselves to really move through exactly like you said, the, the grief, especially grief is such a massive one to carry. And when we hold that for so long, so often it manifests as anxiety, as depression. And I had a very similar journey myself. I, I was actually diagnosed as celiac, not just gluten intolerant, Mm. but celiac. And, um, I can now, after many years of facing my own trauma and working through my own emotions, I can eat gluten. I choose not to, but (laughs) I mean, I was told that, it like as an autoimmune disease, like this is just something that you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. No, actually what I needed to deal with for the rest of my life was actually sitting with myself and being with myself and being with my emotions and working through to heal my past trauma and everything that I had stored. And then my body healed subsequent to that. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, uh, it's those things that we were not told or have not been taught, you know, as yeah. we were growing up. But I think that I agree with you. I think that, you know, with Gabor um, uh, Mate doing his work, and I think that the worm is slowly turning and that people are realizing that, you know, chronic stress, anxiety, depression, traumas, um, that can have a dramatic impact on your health. And both of us have been, you know, victims of that. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that also speaks to the quote that says like our trauma is not our fault, but our healing is our responsibility. Right. And we all Mm -hmm. store and process trauma in different ways, but ultimately at the end of the day, it is our responsibility, not only for ourselves, but for the people in our life, because as we heal, it starts to reflect in our relationships and it does reflect into the collective as well. And so for us to take radical responsibility for our own healing is truly such an act of reverence for ourselves and for the way that we want to live our lives and for the way we want to relate to others. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah. And that makes complete sense. And 
and although you know as you start to heal and you start to do the work and you know you may not even notice some of the changes that mm-hmm. are happening internally and then all of a sudden you might have somebody come to you and say hey I appreciate what you're doing. You're doing yeah. the work. Be proud of yourself because they see the results where they see where you're slowly that perspective in the mind, you're shifting from the I to the we, and you're mm-hmm. slowly dissolving that ego little by little by little. And the ego is necessary. The ego yeah. keeps us comfortable. The ego keeps us safe. We need the ego. And it's not to say not to use it, but specifically for men. And I know a lot of women though, too, that have these huge ego and me being one of them. And And that was one of the beauties with ayahuasca, where it opens you up to realize that, whoa, this ego is really big. Mm -hmm. I need to tame this ego a little bit. And, you know, and that's the beauty of uh, the plant medicines, because you become more self-aware and you become more um, confident in who you are and also understanding that, you know what, I don't always need to be right. And I don't always need to talk. And listening is sometimes the biggest gift that you can give anyone. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's and that's where the beauty starts with these plant medicines. And um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this discussion. Mm. So. Yeah. And isn't that one of the most beautiful thing about medicine, too, is that I truly believe the spirit of the medicine, whether it's ayahuasca or psilocybin or whatever medicine we might be working with it gives us the gift of being truly heard and then in turn offers us the messages that we need to hear. Oh, I love it. Well said. Yes. Yes. I would love for you to expand on that first ayahuasca journey. And I mean, I know that you've sat with Aya now upwards of 10 times, I believe that Mm -hmm. you shared with me. And so, I mean, the first journey or whatever journeys really stand out for you um, and whatever is just really on your heart that you would like to share with the listener, I would love for you to dive a little bit more into your journeys and, and what really came up for you in those and how that shifted and, and really kind of transmuted into who you are today and what you're embodying now in this path? Well, thank you. That's a, that's a great question. So if we start with ayahuasca, a lot of folks would be like, well, what is ayahuasca? And I think mm-hmm. it's become more common um, or more mainstream, I should say, as Aaron Rodgers and yeah. Marcus Avery. And I mean, I think it was even Gwyneth Paltrow and these types of celebrities have taken this medicine and had profound experiences. And if you listen to Aaron Rodgers story about his ayahuasca experience in Peru, it was just such a profound experience for him. But, you know, ayahuasca is not a frivolous decision for one to make. You really have to do your homework on on ayahuasca. It is a very, very powerful psychedelic, um, one that should be used with reverence and respect. Um, And that's going into an ayahuasca ceremony, your you know, really your preparation begins usually about, uh, about six weeks out prior to it, because, um, with ayahuasca, well, let's first explain, explain a little bit about what ayahuasca is. So ayahuasca consists really of two compounds. One is dimethyltryptamine, which is known as DMT. And that is primarily extracted in a boil from a boiling mechanism, um, from the chacruna plant which is the masculine energy of ayahuasca. This is the psych, the psychedelic component of ayahuasca. 
But ayahuasca is not useful unless the ayahuasca vine and the chacruna plant are actually merged together, combined together. Um, and that is the ayahuasca vine. And the ayahuasca vine contains a MAO, which is called a monoamine oxidase inhib inhibitor, which allows the DMT to be absorbed through the gut and allows you to have this four, six to eight hour experience up in the mind. So it's a very psycho, it's a very um, powerful psychoactive substance. Um, and as you begin to feel the ayahuasca, if you have this vibration feeling in your body, that is kind of like on an, a psilocybin ceremony per se, mm -hmm. is when you, when you take psilocybin, you can feel that something is occurring. Mm -hmm. And so during my first experience with ayahuasca, um, she, I feel that and normally they will tell you that oftentimes if it is your first experience, it may be your most profound, you might see some visuals. And in my case, that was the case. I felt that, you know, mother ayahuasca wanted to shake me up to show me that spirit was real because yeah. here was a corporate guy who has, you know, in a military guy who, um, you know, didn't really necessarily believe in the spirit world or believe in mother ayahuasca and father Shakuna. Um, so this was new to me. This is a whole new arena. And she shook me up so hard that I was able to have a lot of visuals. What I believe is for her to prove to me that it was real. Mm. So as I had my first experience, and this was actually my second experience at Soul Quest, it's the following morning um, is when during the daytime is when I had my most profound experience. And um she, it felt like she gently just took my ego and slid it off to the side. And I was standing there and it's about 95 in Orlando at that time it was extremely hot. And all of these emotions and thoughts and traumas started to come through to me. And, you know, really it was just a time for me to grieve what I had been through the last two years. So, um, there was roughly about 50 people in this ceremony, roughly around a, a fire, um, a fire pit. And of course, you're filled with facilitators that are making sure you're safe and secure. In addition to that, you also have volunteers as well that are all surrounding you. So you're in a very, very safe environment. And that's important with ayahuasca, mm -hmm. you know, making sure you know who you're sitting with and, you know, the experience level that they have and set and setting and all those good things that come along with a good psychedelic experience. And so as I'm, as I'm standing there she shifts my ego and I just begin to cry. And I cried for about 30 minutes and just straight up, just bawled my eyes out, just letting out everything that I had went through over the last two years, um, forgiving myself. And then in the meantime, you're hearing, you're feeling and hearing these lessons that are being given to you from other ayahuasca. And sometimes that might be your own mind working with you and kind of working through some of the things that, you know, you need to remedy with your, in terms of your toxic traits or in terms of just letting go of anger and resentment for individuals, mm -hmm. um, letting go for yourself as well, and just forgiving yourself. And that really dives deep and you don't have necessarily uh, no, any control over what comes up. And uh, whatever comes up is, you know, what comes up. 
And one of the things that I didn't mention, and I apologize for that, is prior to using ayahuasca is um, you want to have intentions that are set for having this ceremony, because this is, uh, you know, a really big decision that you're making. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just to, and, and people ask me, what does that mean, having intentions? Well, to give you an example, um, an intention that I had for myself and for the medicine was to, and I'll, I'll go ahead and state it verbatim, I actually wrote this down, was I am now ready to fully release all things and people from the past that are no longer in alignment with my higher self. Mm. So that was, you know, my first intention to, you know, to release and to let go of the past and, and to move on with my life. And the second intention I had was, you know, I'm willing and ready for radical, radical self-love. Mm -hmm. And it's part of, you know, setting these intentions and doing the work per se to show mother ayahuasca that, you know, you're, you're ready for self-healing. You're ready to do this work. What most people will, won't do. Man, and the work is the work is not easy work. You know, this is, you know, ayahuasca is not a very comfortable medicine. Um, you know, as you take this medicine, you can definitely feel it and you feel that you're vibrating, but there's also a little bit of a, you get a little antsy, you might get a little panicked, you might get a little, um, just that you feel a little itchy, uh, you're uncomfortable in your body in general. And, you know, and this is the medicine that is, is doing its thing. It's going through your system and it's trying to pull out all this garbage, all of this trauma and resentment and anger any all this garbage that we all have in us by the way yeah you know so yeah, we all have this in us but oh all, we, do we ever <laughs> yes we've all got this junk in us and you know and um it pulls it out for you and it takes it, it and she takes this um all these angst and all of this negative energy out of your body that's kind of how i like to describe it and the way that she does that is the medicine is you'll begin to have like this purging sensation where you might yawn, you may cry. In my case, it was crying. Um, and then it might even vomit. And in my case, that's, I vomited as well. So, and as you vomit and as you purge, you actually feel better. Like you're relieving your body of all these things that have been trapped in you for so long, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and, and all of these things, again, not dealing with them lead to diseases, lead to addictions, lead to all the yeah. things that we discussed earlier. <laughs> so as I'm, uh, as I'm vomiting and getting rid of this, I start to have an outer body of experience. Mm. And I see myself purging in the bucket. I can see you know, at the top, I can see down. And it was almost as if you know, time stood still at that mm -hmm. moment and she begins talking to me, but this time it's a feminine voice, one that I've never heard before. Mm -hmm. And it was her telling me that I'm so programmed. Mm -hmm. Those were her direct comments to me. You are Oof. so programmed. And yeah. And again, she's given you these tools and for you to think what you want to think or what do you want to do with that? But that's up to you but that's yeah. the lesson from her. And so I thought about that and I understood the message at that time. I truly did. I, I completely understood it. You know, here was a military guy is yes, sir. No, sir. You know, mm -hmm. corporate guy. Yes, sir. No, sir. I mean, just completely programmed, you know, for, 
you know, what we, you know, most people believe society is wonderful. Western society is wonderful. We have Taco Bell down the street. I can order <laughs> Amazon. I can get a beer and, you know, Hey, as long as I have football every weekend and get hammered every weekend, I'm happy and stuff, you know, feed my face with all these poisonous foods. That's happiness for Americans for most, you know, but uh, you know, for me it was not, but that was the programming. I felt that she was telling me to disconnect from is all of that materialism and just that way of life and so i'm processing this and then another lesson comes and she tells me to rest and i see a vine shoot up my leg i'm seeing this i'm seeing literally a vine shoot up my leg and i see her a, a fractal image of her in the in the bucket mm. as my head is in this bucket and um and she tells me to rest and she tries to pull me closer to earth and that was when I realized that, man, this has been a 47 year run. I need some rest. Wow. That's when I realized like, holy cow, I have been on the go, you know, having to take care of myself for the last 47 years. And I was finally able to like, you know, like really let your shoulders down per se. That's how I felt where actually I, once I realized what she was saying and I was comprehending it, I was able to say, okay, I understand. I get it. And I began to just try to relax. And I happened to fall into another phase of energy and, and the feeling of energy and vibration is something new to me. It's something that I was on the fence with because of the programming and et cetera, you know, was, you know, five years ago, if you would tell me this is going to be you five years from now, I've been like, you're freaking crazy. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I, I got it. I understood it. And, um, it was such a profound experience that it is one that I'll never forget in my life. And there were just many, many lessons that kept coming after that, helping me with, what I believe were my toxic traits and, you know, with ego, with, you know, not always having to be right, not always having to speak. And it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but she's just acknowledging these things to you. You're like, okay, you need to, this is something for you to, to work on. And that's the lessons from a, you know, ayahuasca is an intelligent medicine. Mm -hmm. It truly, truly is. It is a medicine that speaks to you to try to help you, and it's a very loving medicine as well. And um, I'll, I'll be forever grateful for, uh, for that ayahuasca experience. And um, there, were, there were many, many lessons um, in that afternoon. And then the way that SoulQuest does it is once you have one ceremony on a Saturday, it usually will end around one. And then Saturday night, uh, you go into another one. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a, it's a back-to-back -back session. Um, and again, being my first time, and I, I believe that she wanted to show me to really work on me. And um, the next lesson, uh, you know, just to be transparent and vulnerable that evening was all about women. Mm. It was all about women and an understanding about, um, and I had some visuals that were profound and uh so the ceremony begins and um, there were around a campfire and 
there was another female across the campfire and we had made eye contact during our, during the medicine journey. And this was a, a younger, you know, beautiful brunette. And there was this energy between us. You know, we smiled at each other. You could feel this kind of like sexual energy or, you know, tension between us. Mm -hmm. And um, I acknowledged it and it felt that she had acknowledged it as well. Well, she started to move a little closer to me, like physically moving closer to me to come around the campfire. And, but while she was doing this, she smiled before she moved and I'm watching, I'm seeing all of this play out. Right. Mm -hmm. And she then transforms her face into a serpent like, and her body was a serpent like as well. And she began hissing at me mm. like a, like a, a dangerous snake. Mm -hmm. And I acknowledged what was going on. And it was what I believe was mother ayahuasca giving me a test mm. to see if I had, you know, learned my lesson, if I had, you know, really come to terms with, you know, keeping things sacred. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the lesson that I, the message I got from it was this is, this is lust and this is sex, but it's not good for you. And here's, oh, yeah. and here's the test. What are you going to do? So I brought, and I'm having this thought, you know, I'm having, so I broke contact with her. And as I did that, she had this, uh, this frown upon her and she moved back to her, you know, her place where she was at. And, you know, and then the moment was over, you know, we, but we've both acknowledged. Mm -hmm. So we spoke about this, her and I spoke about this afterwards. And, you know, I was, she was the test for me, this shiny object per se, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, casual sex is no good. What are you going to do kind of thing? Um, and she had the same thoughts is that I was the shiny object for her. Mm -hmm. And so it's a moment in time where it's an opportunity for you to really realize that it's time for you to work on yourself and not just with distractions with these shiny little objects. And it was moments like that, that, you know, again, the, the, the lessons and the learning from those types of events is really what um, was so profound for me in ayahuasca and has changed my life since. Yeah. And um, the last thing, one of the last things of the evening is, was my addiction to marijuana. And mother Aya was, you know, telling me that I, or that marijuana was, wasn't any good for me anymore. And so I've uh, taken steps to, you know, mitigate that and to eliminate that from my life. And only use it in, you know, in settings with their social settings and not abuse it because mm -hmm. marijuana is a beautiful plant and it's a wonderful, a wonderful medicine as well. But just like any tool or plant, anything that's abused, you know, can be used in the wrong way and can be detrimental to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Powerful, powerful, powerful messages. Mm -hmm. And I think for the listener too, to just maybe take a moment and, reflect right here right now and in the coming days and weeks as to what are the shiny objects in your life right what are you reaching for as distractions as ways to numb to disconnect and yeah as you said I mean casual sex like I think 
a great majority can speak to the fact that we've all gotten caught up in that at some point mm-hmm. in our lives. Yep. And as you get deeper and deeper mm-hmm. onto this spiritual path and this recognition of self, you begin to realize that our sexual energy is one of the most potent and profound energies and that the distribution of that energy is something that needs to be taken in an act of reverence and respect, just as working with medicine or anything else that really holds this sacred energy. Right. And so, man, I mean, that's even just that one message alone in that journey is profound. And I really acknowledge you as well, especially as a man to really take charge of that because I feel like especially in today's day and age with just porn and Mm -hmm. only fans and all of these easily accessible means of treating sexual energy as something that is just uh, a transient like let's just go do this experience and and get rid of this energy and then go on with our day. Like it's so easy to not hold that reverence and respect for it and to really be distributing yourself and just scattering that energy everywhere, which really does affect your emotional and physical body and the psyche after a period of time. And so, yeah, I just, I thank you for sharing that story. And I hope that I I know that at least one listener will really resonate with that. So thank you for bringing that to the table and for sharing the vulnerable pieces of your journey. That's beautiful and so, so powerful. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And yeah, let's see, you know, that's the ultimate goal is that we all have our stuff Mm -hmm. and there's so many distractions with so many apps and social media and you know specifically like you know all the dating all the dating apps and uh and it's um it's just really disconnected us from the true self of you know who we are and what's really important in our lives and you know just this toxic uh, world essentially that we're kind of living in right now and Mm -hmm. um you know we're all trying to do the best we can but it is filled with distractions Um, so, you know, specifically, you know, we just Americans do not like to be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and, you know, and if you want to see that play out, just, uh, grab a a 20 year old or 22 year old and say, Hey, give me your phone for, you know, a half hour and you'll see them go bananas because we've all become so tied to these little robots that are in our pockets, you know, they, because they're so useful, but there's a cost to all of that. And the cost is just us really disconnecting from yourself and mm-hmm. you know you don't um you don't realize how disconnected we truly are as as a species and even with your own family members until you take a step back and you know maybe try a plant medicine and realize like oh okay now i get it mm-hmm. you know it's uh, society is completely disconnected where we're all uh, none of us want to be uncomfortable and we're always grabbing for the next thing whether it's shopping porn, um, dating websites, or whatever the case may be. But, you know, the true growth is sitting with that discomfort and feeling those pains and letting your body release all of the discomfort because um, your health is wealth and your Mm -hmm. health will be better 
if you do those types of things and you really start to begin the self-care process that none of us learned when we were little and you know even even you know for the corporate people out there and you know that the educated folks um self-care is not discussed uh, the values of nutritional eating are not discussed you know um the values of you know eating healthy and how that can impact your mental health that is foreign to most mm-hmm. people like what do you mean eating what, what i eat matters yes not only does it matter to you physically but it matters to you mentally absolutely and you know we're just so you know we're learning this you know we're learning all the stuff that uh, that is coming to the, the forefront per se but um you know, specifically for those individuals that are in high stressful or chronic stress positions is, you know, I would encourage you to take a look at self-care options, because if you're just distracted and ignoring those, there will be a consequence down the road. It will show Mm -hmm. itself. It will manifest. Um, And that's just part of the learning that we're all doing right now in this, in this environment. So absolutely. Yeah. And as you said, we are learning and growing and evolving. And this is all becoming more and more common knowledge. But I mean, how many times do you go to a doctor and present with maybe anxiety or depression or whatever physical ailment? How many times does the doctor ask you, what's your diet like? What's your exercise like? How often are you in connection with mother nature and the land? What is the quality of your sleep? Like we just... We don't get asked those questions. And unfortunately, the connection of mind, body, soul is not taught in medical school. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, we have a long ways to go, but through people like you sharing your story and doing the work that you're doing, it is, it is impacting the collective. So mm-hmm for the listener, whether, whether you sit with plant medicine or you just take radical responsibility for your own healing in doing breath work and seeking out maybe a coach to work with you and just finding the things that really bring you back to that true essence of self and starting to disconnect from all the things that you don't, this is how we change the narrative. This is how we change ourselves. And this is how we change the world. Yeah. And that's so well said. And I, I couldn't agree more. And, and that's what it is for folks that, you know, if you are listening to this and, you know, are struggling just with life in general, and if it might be, maybe you've, you know, gained some weight or you have a lot of stress on you or whatever the case may be, is that, and I tell a lot of folks, this is like, you can change your life. You can absolutely change your life if you want to, but here's the thing you're going to have to change. And that scares people. And that's, and that's where people where, you know, that's what separates the individuals from those that, you know, want to take action and those that want to, they like talking about taking action, but really don't do anything. And then they begin, they continue with that spiral. And that's, you know, there's specifically for men that have gone through divorce. um, If you look at the data, uh, you know, men have, you normally don't do well after divorce. Uh, and you know, you have to consider those stats and look yourself in the mirror and realize, okay, I have two options here. I can continue down this spiral path of just, you know, self-loathing and self-sabotage and blame others, or I can really start to work on me. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage folks to please, you know, take a look at, give yourself the gift of health, give yourself Mm -hmm. the gift of educating yourself. And, and 
Western medicine is not necessarily bad. And I don't think you and I are saying that at all, but it has its purposes and its places. However, Absolutely. you know, there is so, there's so much more to, to our health and, and, and mental health and, you know, physical health than just giving a pill. Mm-hmm. And if, if what we were doing worked, you and I would probably not be having this discussion. Right. We're having this discussion because the system is broken. Is. The system does not work. And, you know, the, the appeal, a Zoloft pill, or, you know, after I had my severe anxiety attack, it was the first thing the doctor wanted to give me. It was some it kind was. of pill. Yeah. Some kind of pill at the ER. And I absolutely refused. And I'm proud to say that, you know, I take zero medications yeah. and, um, you know, I've just been working on me and that's what you have to do and you can do it. And, uh, it starts with, you know, kind of like that lifestyle. That's really what it, you have to build your base. And that base yeah. is your, you know, what your environment, what are you eating? What are you watching? What are you listening to? All of that matters mm-hmm. for your day-to-day well-being. you know, physical, you know, and, uh, emotional, um, all of that matters. And then also is that, um, you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, look, I'm not perfect. And that's hard for a lot of us, specifically us guys, those type A personalities Mm -hmm. and me being one of them. Mm -hmm. That's a hard hard thing to swallow. But if you've never done mirror work, consider it, consider doing mirror work. Mirror mirror work is extremely effective in helping you get to know yourself Mm -hmm. and to look yourself in the mirror for a certain period of time. I mean, there's, you can Google this, you can YouTube it, mirror work, it's effective, it works, it can help you work through some of your issues. Um, and then exactly like you said, the breath work, breath work, and all of this again was foreign to me, mm-hmm. but breath work is extremely, you know, beneficial. So whether you're doing, you know, and you can find all kinds of guided sessions with Wim Hof or, you know, hypertrophic breathing or whatever type of, you know, whatever resonates with you. But that's, that's doing the work is doing these things to calm your nervous system down, you know, because we have been raised in a state of panic and alert and all of our nervous systems are amped. And, and even I'll share one other thing that really helped me. And I've just done this recently, but I'm seeing the benefits of it. And it's one of the things with ayahuasca that you can't drink anyways, but, you know, prior to taking ayahuasca, there's a full dieta that, you know, is in play where you have to, you know, you cut out uh, dairy products, refined sugars, red meats prior, usually um, two to three weeks prior to ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. So you're cleansing the system, but that also means no caffeine. Mm-hmm. So all these stimulants that we've been using to keep us going in this fast paced world that is Western society and um, cut out coffee even and see the impacts. Yeah. See how it will, you'll be a little bit calmer you're calming that nervous system. It might help you with anxiety. So there's all these different things that we can do to help ourselves besides a pill. Yes. You know, but, and you know, that's the Americans want that fast, quick reaction. And that's not possible in this line of work. Not, not in, not when you're healing trauma and you're from chronic stress, depression, post-traumatic stress, or whatever the case may be, it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. for you to heal. You know, I've been on this healing journey for, you know, almost a year now, but it's just the beginning. Yeah. You know, so, but, um, there's a lot of information out there, a lot of, um, things that can help people and besides just Western medicine. Absolutely. And I love everything that you offered too, because all of that is really just coming back to the basics, 
coming back to the breath, coming right. back to like mirror work, you are, all you need is a mirror in yourself, yep. the breath, you just need yourself and a comfortable cushion and, yep. and getting in touch with nature, like going out and putting your bare feet on the earth or literally hugging a tree for five yeah. minutes. Like sure the energy exchange that happens between us and the earth and the amount of stress that we can release just mm -hmm. in that and getting back to our roots, that sense of tribalism and that connection and that oneness with the earth, all of these are just ways again of coming back to the self. And like you said, we have so much external stimuli happening in our everyday life and we weren't designed we were not designed to not have a hundred thousand comments on our Instagram posts and haters trolling us and yes. all of these pings coming in on these devices. And, and again, then we try and cope with it with things like stimulants and yeah. there's a time and a place for caffeine. It can have some mm -hmm. great benefits for the body, but when we use it to the degree that we typically do to cope with the amount of stress that we are under and the lack of sleep, it's really just adding another stressor to the body and our body can only handle so much of this before it literally breaks down. And that's, that was what happened for me is I had a total physical and mental breakdown and it was like, all right, well, this is clearly my current rock bottom. Yeah, so yeah. what are we going to do about it? Because I clearly can't keep going the way I'm right. going. And yeah. I think that's even just doing a medicine journey and learning about how much the dieta can impact your body. Mm -hmm. Just the dieta itself is a, a form of healing. And Absolutely. you start to realize how much you've begun to depend on sugar, on caffeine, on really, really um, flavorful foods with all these additives that we add into our foods. And you start to cut that out. And yes, it's hard at first. And then all of a sudden you start to realize what functioning at optimal is without all of those external toxins and stimulants. And you really, again, it's just coming back to baseline, coming back to the basics, coming home to yourself and your body and letting go of all of those things that we're just essentially using to numb and to distract. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's well said. And, um, and that's, I think that's kind of the, the hamster wheel that most of us get <laughs> mm -hmm. stuck on is that, okay, I've got all these different, you know, distractions going on in my life. Um, I've got work, I've got bills, I've got taxes, I have to do X, Y, Z. And then this, this, um, I got a text message from this person, the dopamine response hits. And then like, okay, just to keep up, I need more coffee because I literally mm -hmm. cannot keep up. And, and I've, you know, you see people in that environment, you know, where they're drinking coffee till, you know, which is, you know, coffee is good. It's a wonderful medicine as well. This is not but, coffee, you know, by the way. Yeah. I thought it would be hilarious <laughs> if you're like, you're just like trashing coffee and I'm just sitting here just chugging my coffee. It's cacao. <laughs> hey, cacao is yummy. It's a mm. heart opener. Yeah. Cacao is yummy. But yeah, there's something to be said for that. And then, you know, you'll see the guy or girl, girl and eventually they will hit rock bottom, just like you said, but here's the, here's the thing that, you know, commenting on that. Um, and here's the choice that we have that I think we could share with the audience that I didn't necessarily resonate with me is that 
we don't have to wait until we hit rock bottom, right? But we're so busy or you're so fearful of really addressing the core issues that you hold off until eventually you have some kind of incident or experience occur that wakes you up, shakes you up and says, hey, no longer in alignment. You don't feel safe. Can't do this. Can't do that. It's time for you to go with the fight or flight mechanisms kick in. And I always find that interesting is that, you know, as a human species, we usually will wait for that moment, but we don't have to. Mm -hmm. You can make those changes today to ensure that you don't have those kinds of problems down the road. And that's, that's the one message that I hope people take away from this as well. And specifically those young, the younger audience out there that, you know, are just getting on that hamster wheel, finishing college, not sure what to do next have, you know, these, these loans and et cetera, is that, you know, you don't, you have to start the self-care process today to ensure that, you know, you're better off in the future. And to, although, that your ego will tell you that you can just put it off and that you don't need to do that kind of work. Nothing is further from the truth that you must begin this work now because it'll help you be a better version of yourself. It'll help you be a healthier version of yourself. And not only will people see it in you, but you will encourage and inspire others to begin this process as well. And, you know, and just to continue sharing information as we go through this, uh, this crazy human experience that we're going through. Absolutely. That's such a powerful message. And you're so right. Like we will continue to ignore the signs that come up for us time and time again. And I certainly did that myself. Like there were little whispers that my body and my psyche and just things in my life were showing me. What were you feeling in your body? If you don't mind me asking. Um, so it was like, yeah, just like really, the sense of exhaustion and like the knowing there was a deep rooted knowing inside of me that the work I was doing at the time in the health industry, it was not my calling. And I knew that, but I was scared. I was scared that I had gone to university for seven years to then join into a field and a career that I got into. And within the first year, I was like, this is not sustainable. Like this is I quite literally felt like it was sucking the life out of my soul. And at the time I was working at a private clinic. And so I quit that and I was like, okay, well, I'll try something else. I'll try the hospital. So I went to the hospital instead and it was a much better, more balanced lifestyle for sure. But it was still like, I knew that things just, it was not in alignment with what I truly felt my calling was. And I was also really distracting myself and I was working out my emotions by just going to the gym. I was over exercising. I was also a competitive bodybuilder at the time. So Mm -hmm. I I literally, I got up at four in the morning. I went to the gym and I did my cardio. I went to work and then I went back to the gym and I did my weight training after. And that was a six day a week endeavor for me. Yeah, And it was, it was, the constant use of stimulants to get Mm -hmm. me through the day. And that was another little sign. Like my body was like, um, we can't operate unless you're giving us some form of energy. So like, hello, like this is a sign that like, this is not sustainable. And then I was having the gut issues as well. I was having a lot of food intolerances come up 
And I mean, the bodybuilding diet is pretty restrictive anyways, but I was noticing that if I ever went off of that diet, I was having a lot of gut inflammation and bloating Mm. and just all of these reactions to foods that I really should not have been reacting to. Um, And so it was just like little things over and over coming up for me. And I kept pushing myself, pushing myself, pushing myself. And then finally, after two of my competitions, I just, I really crashed. I hit this point where I quite literally couldn't get out of bed with exhaustion. And then I found out I had small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and I also Uh had androgen dominance. So I had completely crashed my hormones and I was Mm -hmm. a natural athlete, was not taking any exogenous substances, but I had trashed my natural hormones. I had trashed my natural gut flora. I literally could not even eat raw cucumber and plain chicken without looking like I was nine months pregnant. And that's not an exaggeration. It was Mm. absolutely ridiculous. And so then I ended up, I had, I hired a functional health specialist and the thing I just, I appreciated this man so much because it was really a catalyst into my spiritual journey. Because one of the very first things that Vince said to me was, you can follow my diet, my supplement protocol, the detox that we're going to do, the exercise program. You can follow that to a T. And I know that you will because you're a type OCD, like you have that personality, (laughs) but if you don't address what's going on in your heart and your Uh, mind, you will relapse time and time again, and you will not heal. And so the first four, six weeks, I think actually it was that I worked with him. Yeah. He pulled me out of the gym. Like I was not allowed to weight train. He was like, here's what you're allowed to do. You're allowed to do yoga. You're allowed to walk in nature. Hmm. You're allowed to stretch. You're allowed to, um, do breath work. And I want you meditating and journaling every day. I want you reflecting. I want you reading books that really resonate with you. And Hmm. so all these things that like I had incorporated all of that kind of like sporadically here and there. And, but It was that like ripping that rug out from under my feet of all of the things that I had used to stay in that zone of comfort and to keep myself pushing to those extremes and to really have to then go within and face what was coming up within and really sit with myself in meditation and journal and spend time in nature and, and go for walks instead of going and pounding for two hours at the gym and just adding Mm. stress to my body. It was that process of stepping away from everything that I knew and thought to be a part of me in my life to actually really discover what was within me. Right. And so by doing that, by that's such a powerful, that's such a powerful statement by one man Mm -hmm. who changed your life Mm -hmm. by that one comment. And it just shifted that perspective on, oh, you know, that mind-body connection. And so wise of him to realize that your heart was hurting, Mm -hmm. that, you know, you still had some things to work through. And then for him to, you know, just to have, you know, the foresight to put this into your path and your path of healing. And I'm sure you're grateful for him and how different your life has become because of all of these different things that he said to you. And, and there's beauty in that. And, you know, I think, and by you doing this work and doing what you're doing now, 
is providing another way for people for you to touch somebody's heart and soul mm-hmm. to change their you know their life because it just takes that one person that one comment and you may not even know who these people are but they might yeah. listen mm-hmm. and just one comment from you changes their entire life and and that's the beauty of you know surrounding yourself with individuals who are on this path Mm-hmm. and who can share their wisdom and their knowledge and to hopefully you can share that down the road, which you're already doing. Mm-hmm. So it's a powerful thing for you, my friend. And I'm, yeah. I'm kudos to you for doing Thank the work you. and continuing that path. And, you know, it's just, um, it's marvelous to see, you know, young ladies such as yourself and other individuals to realize that, you know what, things aren't working for me. And, you know, as you stated earlier, is that you have to be responsible for your own self-healing and, and that's hundred percent correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I cherish you. So I appreciate mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That means yeah. so much to me. And yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I am immensely grateful for Vince right. and what he taught me and this path. And I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't, I, I, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would do it the same because it taught yes, me all of the right. lessons that I needed to be where mm-hmm. I am and to now have this understanding that it's so much more than the food you're eating, the supplements you're eating, the mm-hmm. workouts you're doing. Like it is such an emotional and spiritual and heart centered process yes. to heal and it is it's one comment or one person that comes into your life or one event mm-hmm. that happens in your life can truly change the trajectory of your life and so again i want to go back to what you said as well like listen to the little messages and don't wait until you hit rock bottom right. because i mean i defined that experience as my rock bottom but it very much so could have been a heck of a lot worse and if i oh, would have yes. continued ignoring it I probably would have been hospitalized. I probably would have perpetuated a chronic illness. I probably Mm -hmm. would still be battling an autoimmune disease if I had not taken that as a sign that I had to slow down and rest and come back to myself. And very similar to the message that grandmother Aya brought to you that you needed to rest. Mm -hmm. And that piece of rest is so important. And I think especially in today's day and age where it's just such a go, go, go society. And we're kind of in this boss babe culture too, where women are really being empowered to Mm -hmm. be independent and to be entrepreneurs, which I think is beautiful in many ways. And it also perpetuates this toxic sleep when you're dead mentality. Exactly. And for women too, it also really takes away the divine feminine essence. And when we do that, we really push away the conscious masculine. And I I hear from women all the time, like, I'm just not, I'm not meeting men that are like the quote unquote caliber that I want, or like the, sure. the type of masculine men that I want. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. Cause you're showing up literally as a masculine man in society. Like you are in your masculine so strongly, right? Right. Exactly. So there's so yep. many things that go into this. And but. that's intimidating. That's intimidating from sort yeah. for some guys is extremely intimidating yeah. and no doubt about it. And, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to mention too, that you had hit on is, you know, the symptoms that we can have that, you know, the universe is letting you know that things are awry. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to go into that a little bit, specifically for 
um, you know, maybe somebody's having these types of symptoms because I did not recognize them when they were happening to me that yeah. really what it was. And it was, it was chronic stress and it was a lot of night sweats. Oh, interesting. Minim yeah, minimal sleep and a lot of night sweats leading up to, you know, that severe anxiety attack and mm -hmm. not for, you know, as educated and as intelligent as you may think you are. Um, so I'm diving into, okay, what am I eating that's causing this? Or what mm -hmm. in my environment is causing this? And it was just the stress. It was stress, just yeah. the stress from, from all of what, you know, I was going through in, in my uh, life at that time. So it's important for us to, you know, to remember that and to listen to the body, which is something new for me as well. You know, what is this body thing you're talking about? I've been living in this ego mind all my life. So what is this right. body thing? And finally, you know, again, with plant medicines, realizing, oh, this is what the body is. This is what mm -hmm. she's telling me. This is what is no longer working for me. And she's giving me all these clues and hints. But again, it took an ayahuasca experience for me to comprehend that. Yeah. And I don't say that because, you know, everybody should go out and do ayahuasca. And I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think you need to do your homework and you need to be aware of, you know, of, of the work required, you know, when you're, when you're prior to ayahuasca during the ceremony, and then also after ayahuasca, because integration is a big part of it where, mm -hmm. you know, you begin to keep in that process by, you know, establishing a game plan for you to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. All of these things are important. Um, when you're, you know, discussing with I thinking about taking ayahuasca, but bottom line is this, is that, you know, if you're, you know, for me, you know, I needed help. I absolutely 100% needed help and um, um, from everything that I was dealing with. And it was extremely beneficial for me. I'll forever be grateful for that decision that I made as uncomfortable as ayahuasca is when you do go through these experiences. Um, it's changed my life um, for the better and um, becoming more self-aware and just more present. Um, and so, yeah, I'm forever grateful for that, uh, that wonderful, intelligent medicine. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm yeah. curious too, now that you have sat with her 10 times, mm -hmm. how have your experiences shifted as you've continued to sit with her? Do you feel like now it's still like a very deeply healing cathartic process, or do you feel like it's more just like subtle messages or how has this kind of process transformed with you as you have sat with her time and time again? That's a great question. Thank you for asking uh, for me, you know, after that first experience, um, it's still clearing me, if you will, and cleansing me of the, of the, of the, of the divorce mm -hmm. and of the marriage and for leaving Omaha. So I'm still working through that, mm -hmm. you know, and so a lot of my, a lot of my last, uh, few journeys has been healing from that. Um, still, as I still continue to let go, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, and you know, it's, uh, you know, grieving is not, you know, people think, well, you grieve one time and you're done. Well, then that's not necessarily <laughs> the case. Uh, grieving can come in waves. You know, you might be feeling great for six months and then maybe a song plays or maybe a movie plays and it reminds you of that special person or that special experience and time that you had with you and your family. And then those emotions come flooding out again. So yeah. it's definitely a process. So, you know, I feel that, you know, for, 
for me specifically that I've got to, to work, continue to heal from that, to clear it. And then once I believe it, I'm cleared of that and it's definitely gotten better. And then you move on potentially to, you know, what's next in your life. Mm -hmm. So that's been, um, that's been the biggest, um, you know, things for me is still trying to clear out that at the end. Um, of course, every ayahuasca journey is a little bit different. You know, they're, they're never the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's always going to be lessons, you know, whether it is still continuing to work on that ego and, you know, letting you um, take a different perspective. And I think that's what the biggest walk away or takeaway from ayahuasca is. It's about perspective is that, mm-hmm prior to plant medicine, you have this certain perspective and it's all that you've known. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think after plant medicine, your perspectives fundamentally shift, yeah. your worldview may shift. Um, but again, I think that's a good thing in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, continuing to work on, on the ego and, uh, you know, just, uh, what's no longer serving you and to just try to spread love in this world. And uh, to love yourself, most importantly, and uh, to be kind to others and, uh, and to not take things personal. And, you know, again, that's what, that's how kind of I has been working for me over the last, you know, few months and Mm -hmm. really allowing me to, um, you know, just let things go and not, um, not have as much stress as well as like, I feel like, you know, I'm safe. If that makes, you know, some people might think that, what do you mean that feeling safe? Well, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, when you're on the run for 46 years or whatever the case may be, um, you really don't know what safety is because you've never really had it per se, yeah. uh, cause you're always on the go. Well, you know, ayahuasca lets you take a look at yourself and then build a good, safe community around you. And since my use of ayahuasca, one thing that, you know, that has been crucial to me has been boundaries. Mm-hmm. I was a doormat, never really had any boundaries for people. And I would, you know, put up with a lot of toxic behavior from friends or what, whomever, family or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, since ayahuasca, I've been able to establish boundaries and realize that, you know, some people, you know, just are not meant to be in your life. And it's a hard decision that sometimes you have to make, you know, to cut certain people out. But, you know, I want to surround myself with individuals that are doing the work, that are self-aware, that are aware of their toxic traits, that are trying to remedy those toxic traits and, and be the best version of themselves. You're never going to be perfect, but, you know, if it's, it's one thing to be able to look somebody in the eye and know that they're their authentic, genuine self, and there's no facade. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel is like really ayahuasca takes that veil off the facade and it turns the volume up on the truth. It truly does. And, you know, once you, once you get a taste of that, of that peace, of that forgiveness of the love that, you know, mother ayahuasca shows you, um, you, you do whatever you can to protect that peace. Mm -hmm. And that means by establishing boundaries with people that are no longer in alignment with you, which was one of my intentions is, you know, is I want to be with people that are in alignment with me so I can feel safe and secure. And we can have these vulnerable discussions without 
people saying, oh my gosh, this is so woo woo. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> so. <laughs> that term. So last year, I'm so done right? with the term. woo Exactly. No, right. Modern exactly. day magic. It's real. It's real life. It's authenticity. It's it yeah. is. Yeah. And, and you, you get a sense for those people because they have no attachments. They're not attached to their ideas. They're not attached to material items. They're not attached to money. They're just attached to, you know, giving love and kindness to this world. And mm -hmm. once you meet those people and you see them in the Iowa, you know, in this, the plant medicine circles, we know each other, you get intimate with one another and you know that this is a genuine, caring, loving soul that has no ill intentions for me. There's no ego. We're just here. We're holding space. We're having a great conversation, uh, intellectual conversation, and there's no judgment. And those are the types of people that you want in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And your vibe attracts your tribe. It really does. It does. Once you stop or once you start operating in that vibrational frequency of mm -hmm. love and that space of non-judgment and to just see people for who they are, you do, you start to see people for their true selves. And Absolutely. in that process, like you said, you do have to start to set boundaries to, keep your own energy sacred and Absolutely. to allow yourself to invite in those people that are in alignment for you and the people that you do aspire to be more like and want to be part of your community and to just set loving boundaries with the people who are not in alignment, not from a space of judgment or from this hierarchical view that oh i'm i'm higher or right. better than mm -hmm. them or i'm farther in my path but just they're at their own place in their journey and Absolutely. right here right now in this present time that just doesn't resonate with me and that doesn't mean anything about me or about them that just means that where i am right now and where they are right now we're just not in alignment and that's right. okay. And so I'm just exactly. going to lovingly set this boundary. And that's not from the ego too, right? Because the ego mm -hmm. makes a wall. The yeah. ego shuts people out. Whereas it does. I love the saying that walls shut people out. Boundaries show people where the door is. Mm -hmm. So boundaries like are like, if you want to be in my life, this is the standard that I'm setting like that yes. with my own energy and my own actions and the way that I'm showing up in this world. Mm -hmm. And if that's not where you're currently at and that's not where you want to meet me, that's okay. There's the door. Yep. Exactly. And I bid you farewell with a loving heart. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, and, and the thing is, it's not that you're being, um, you know, an adversarial relationship with them. Mm -hmm. You're just showing yourself, the love that you deserve to show yourself for the first time mm -hmm. in many cases, right? Mm -hmm. For the first time that, you know, that you're really saying, okay, I love myself more because I want to protect my inner peace. And there's nothing selfish about that. Mm -hmm. We've been taught that, you know, we're supposed to give, give, give. And, you know, and I, I placed a, a post on my Facebook recently because, you know, it was regarding men and, you know, men, life is tough for men. And, mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it truly, truly is. We've been told our whole lives to to be providers um, and to sacrifice yourself in many cases for for the good of the family or whomever. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I did that um, for X amount of years, I, but I don't think that's a viable strategy, no. not, not for men, because, you know, as Joe Rogan will state, and, and, I, and rightfully so, in my opinion, that, you know, I think he gets this quote from somebody else, but most men live lives of quiet desperation. Mm-hmm. And it's true. It's absolutely true, because you've been told your entire life, the happy wife, happy life, and the man and the man sacrifices himself, his own needs, his own wants, his own desires for others. So, you know, from a, from a man's point of view, we have become so comfortable being uncomfortable to make others comfortable. And that's, that's truly, you know, and this is coming from a guy who's, you know, I've met my goals in, in, in the corporate world, you know, I've lived that life uh, and it broke me. Not only did it break me, but it cost me everything. It cost me myself. It cost me, you know, the woman that I loved for so long and, you know, no longer being in this state with my children, you know, but that's, that's the result of me sacrificing myself for 46 years until I finally broke, um, just trying to keep up with, you know, corporate expectations and social expectations and et cetera. And so the lesson here is I hope people realize that you specifically men that your, your needs matter. And, you know, communicate your needs and try to, you know, resolve these situations before they do come out of hand. If you are in some type of relationship or whatever, because um, it can all change in a heartbeat Mm -hmm. and sometimes for the good. You know, I honestly believe that everything happened for a reason. And, you know, it's I'm on this path for a reason, which is which is okay. I've accepted it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really moving on. I had a good integration specialist who is just a wonderful person. And she told me, you know, as I was going through my difficult times is that, you know, I have to accept that the door is closed and that it's time for me to move on with my life, you know? And of course, by choice, you know, I mean, I made that decision. That doesn't mean that there aren't consequences in terms of grief and, you know, depression and all the other things that I was battling for those, for those two years that I was, you know, kind of in a haze or a year and a half where I was kind of in a self-sabotaging haze, but, um, but, but please for the men, you know, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, a, a life is not easy. And, you know, and if you're riding that corporate hamster wheel, just to, to buy the next, you know, Audi or whatever it is, um, there's going to be consequences to that. Yeah. I appreciate you so much being this voice for the masculine because Mm -hmm. it is so needed. And I mean, it's needed for, for men and for women, but I think it is a lot more socially acceptable for women to be emotional and to do this more spiritual work and this self work per se. And we need so many men like you who are being this voice and who are leading the way and who are creating these communities and doing this work and guiding others and being an inspiration for others to do this too. Because as I've said several times already, as we heal ourselves, we heal the collective and it, it takes a freaking tribe. It takes <laughs> each and every one of us yeah, absolutely. putting this effort in. Yeah. And you can't do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. You might think you can, but you can't, you know, you need, you need community. You need good people around you. 
And then I think that would be the other bit of advice that I would give as well is that, you know, as much as you are hurting or as much as you think in that type A ego, you know, mindset, um, you need people in your life to, to get through this time and it just needs to be the right people. So, yeah, absolutely. And Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, men are so often just taught that they have to be strong and put on this front and yeah. I think one of the things I really appreciated you sharing there too is like in that process of closing the door and making that choice to really give yourself that closure that that part of your life was over. I found for myself personally, going through things where we are really having to say goodbye to past versions of ourselves and pieces of our life it is a grieving process. We are literally, it is a death of part of ourself and part of our life. And Mm -hmm. that process of grief can be so immense sometimes, especially I can imagine for you saying goodbye to an entire life in the corporate world, your family, a relationship, Mm -hmm. all of that, like that is immense. And that is not something that any one man or woman should have to face by themselves. Yeah, it, it truly is. And, um, you know, it just uh, such a profound time in my life of grieving. And, and um, even at one moment, um, you know, because now you're, you're doing Christmas by yourself, you know, those moments just get a little bit harder. And, you know, during one Christmas, <clears throat> after I had left, there was a, a, a new term that I had not heard of, but I was going through it. And I happened to stumble upon a podcast that I can't remember, but it, it explained it to me um, right when I needed it. And that term was dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. And I was probably at rock bottom, just drowning in grief, resentment, regret, all those things for, you know, the decisions that, you know, that I had made. And this was again, like the second or third wave that comes with the grieving process, which again, I did not acknowledge or understand at that time. And the dark night of the soul was just the universe saying, okay, well, you've done a great job. We've cleaned up about 85%. (laughs) You've grieved about, you know, 85%. You have acknowledged, you know, 85% of your wrongdoings, your toxic traits, but you remember that other 15%? (laughs) We're going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and do that now. And So I had to sit with that pain and I had to sit with that discomfort. And and I share this to the audience in hopes that sometimes the healing is just sitting with the pain and the discomfort and acknowledging the fact that the door has closed, that your life is going to be different and there's no getting around it, but we're going to sit here for the next X amount of days or weeks. For me, it happened to be about a week and just sit with that pain. And, you know, that's what I had to do. And then isolation was important for me at that time because it's okay to ask for help and you should ask for help when you need it, but you can't always ask for help. You have to, that you can't always have somebody being your hero in situations like this and to come save you. No, you need to sit with this. And then as you sit with it, out of that tunnel will come a butterfly at the end and you will get through it. You will have those bad days where the universe is just sitting on your chest Mm 
and you just have to let it out and cry, yell, do your breath work, your meditation, whatever you need to do to release those traumas and that all that emotion from your system, from your body. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what I did. And, uh, eventually I came out, um, a little after Christmas and it was able to, you know, be better, but, um, again, uh, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and that's, this is part of the healing process is for you to go through this. Absolutely. So it's important. Yeah. And that piece of being able to sit with it by yourself too is so important because I feel that if we're constantly seeking for that element of community, which is so important as well, but if we're constantly seeking those healing ceremonies where we're surrounded by other people Mm -hmm. and the validation and the comfort of others, this perpetuates codependency. This also perpetuates that something that Carolyn Mace calls woundology, which is like, we get so used to being in these healing containers, like whether that's a medicine ceremony or a breathwork ceremony or um, some kind of like community event where all of these people are acknowledging us for our trauma, for our grief. And this is how we then start to seek validation. And we're mm, like, oh, well, I see. And, and this actually creates a wall for us, for our healing, because there's there becomes a part of us that doesn't want to fully heal because we've become recognized for our pain. Ah, I see. Yes. And so I think that's where this piece of being able to sit with yourself and sit in the silence, sit in the grief, allow the tears to come, allow Mm. the rage to come, pound your fists on the floor, do whatever it is that you need to do in your own solitude Mm-hmm. and face yourself. And then when the time is right, then reach out and ask for community and be like, okay, yeah, now is the time that I need. Right. I do need my brothers and sisters to hold me and to acknowledge me. And I need the support, especially when we reach those roadblocks where we don't know what's next for us. I think that's important to have that support and that community because people will be mirrors for us and they'll pick out Mm -hmm. pieces. They'll be able to see the things that are blocked by our own ego, our subconscious mind, our traumas, our patterns and everything. And so both pieces are so important, but I really appreciate you bringing in that element of sitting with yourself because I think that's such an important part of the journey as well. Yeah, I concur. And and you might you usually will you'll see that as well at um in even during ayahuasca ceremonies, depending on who the integration specialist specialist is. But mm-hmm. um, you know, they will they're there to assist you as you go through your journeys, you know, with these volunteers and, and integration specialists. However, most integration specialists, at least the ones that I have worked with, will tell the the guests as they, you know, show up and we have these these um, discussions about ayahuasca and et cetera, before they, um, you know, have the medicine is they will tell the guests that I see you, that you're raising your hand, if you need help, Mm -hmm. I see you, but do know that I can't be your savior, that you have to go through some of this yourself or all of it yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, if you absolutely need me to come and hold your hand, and then sure, of course, and we'll be there to console you. But, um, but there is strength in isolation and Absolutely. it goes back to something you had said earlier is, you know, when you were going through your stuff as you were sitting with yourself, 
acknowledging who you are as a, as a human being, you're, you know, becoming more self-aware and who you are in terms of your personality. And that's where the growth is. That's the work that people talk about. Okay. You gotta, you have to do the work. You have to do the work. Well, what does that mean? Do the work? I get that question a lot that people that are in the plant medicine space, what does this mean to do the work? Well, doing the work is sitting with yourself and acknowledging all these different things that you have going on in your own personality in your space in your mind Absolutely. so you can dig deeper and really get to the root of who you are and become the most genuine authentic person possible that you get that suits you mm-hmm. and you know it's that's that's the beauty in this in this work that we're doing and um and the inner peace that that we seek and there is something to be said, you know, not to put, you know, people with plant medicine on a hierarchy or that I'm better than you or blah, blah, blah. But I will say, um, in my personal opinion, in the most humble way I can, there is a difference from a mindset with somebody who is taking plant medicines or using plant medicines to heal themselves, to become more self-aware if you take that person, have a honest discussion with them, with somebody who is not necessarily, you know, doing the work and on plant medicines, it's going to be a completely different discussion. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the, it's the, it's the energy exchange. It's the authenticity that I'm willing to be vulnerable with you and to, you know, go ahead and exchange, you know, what I know and who I am as a person, because I know me deep down, I know the other person is also doing the work and realizes that, you know, becoming more self-aware and that they're not always going to be right. And that the the ego is always trying to take control. So there's, there's beauty in, in the work that, uh, that everyone's doing in this space. And uh, I'm just so happy uh, to be in this work. And uh, for those that are wondering like, Oh my gosh, I'm being a little judgmental. Holy cow. What happened to Armando? He's, you know, he's used to do this. I am, I am fine. I am better than fine. I am the strongest and healthiest, both mind, body, and spirit that I have ever been in my life. And, and it's about, and, and I have to acknowledge the work that I have done, you know, to pat my own self on the back because I deserve it. And it's important to, to do those types of things um, because we've been beaten down for so long. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's important to acknowledge that, hey, brother and sister, that be proud of yourself. You're doing the work and uh, you're becoming the best version of yourself. And that's what this is all about. And you're creating authentic connections, human mm-hmm. connections that um, that most of us, I think, uh, in the other world, I like to call sometimes the false world, mm-hmm. don't have those human connections. It's all superficial, you know, and uh, it's just a different experience. So I, uh, I applaud everyone that's in this space. I really do. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I love that you bring in that piece of commending yourself too. And that's the healthy ego, right? As mm-hmm. you said at the beginning, we do need the ego. It's a very yeah. important aspect of self. It's how we develop our self-identity and how we're able to give ourselves those moments of praise for mm-hmm. what we have accomplished. And yeah, I mean, I do agree with you that people who have done plant medicine work that plant medicine it really the dissolution of the ego it's that aspect is not something we can access through very many other means right and yes plant medicine isn't for everybody but it does dissolve the ego to a certain degree and give ourselves this 
view of oneness and this connection to something greater than ourselves and this connection to other that then subsequently allows us to develop these authentic relationships to self and to others in our community who are doing this work. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just, I acknowledge you for doing this work for yourself and for being a light in this world and leading the way for others. And so I'd love to know now that as we're wrapping up this course that we're both Mm -hmm. in together and we're becoming certified coaches and you're Mm -hmm. just kind of taking on this new trajectory of life, what is next for you? I think what is next for me is that I will um, stand up the coaching business. I really want to um, get that going sometime in April. And, and I think the, my niche per se is I really want to help men that are going through or have gone through the same experience that I had gone through, whether it be divorce or just a corporate, you know, uh, you know, rabbit hole that we're constantly in and be able to help them to number one, understand about nutrition, mm-hmm. understand about how impactful that can be on your everyday life. Um, in addition to that, just the nervous system and what a man goes through trying to, you know, support everyone in the house and constantly sacrificing themselves, you know, at, uh, at yeah. a lot of different angles, which most men do, frankly. So I think my my next goal will be um, to do that, to work with men, to get this business started. But in addition to that, I'll also be down in Orlando doing some some work with uh, with SoulQuest um, as a facilitator um, in the very near future. So I'll be down there here in a couple of weeks and I will be shadowing them, uh, their facilitators at SoulQuest and, and again, learning and, and uh, growing and shedding still, but learning how to incorporate uh, the integration specialist and really trying to hone in to those skills because, yeah. you know, being an integration specialist is something that is not to be taken lightly. I mean, people are looking for you for help and support and have a knowledge base about the medicine and different things of that nature. And SoulQuest does, at least for me, SoulQuest has done such a wonderful job at, you know, providing uh, what I needed at that time, um, as well as the volunteers. I mean, uh, I have never seen so much love and tenderness and compassion for, you know, I received just so much from them you know, just, uh, it might sound simple, but you know, when, when you're on the medicine there, the integration specialists and the the volunteers are, they're up they're with you there to make sure that your journey is safe and you can get up at two in the morning and they'll, they'll be there. I mean, you look around, is, am I safe? You know, kind of thing. Yes, you're safe. You know, they're, they're there and they're comforting you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just to have, you know, one, you know, there was one specific integration specialist there that just touched my heart so much, you know, sleeping next to the fire. And it was just a simple thing, but it was just, you know, putting a blanket on me and tucking me in like I was a little kid. And that might seem like such a simple thing, but at the moment it wasn't. And it's that kind of love and compassion that uh, is the reason why I want to give back and just help people that are in need. You know, I've, I've gone through it. I've walked through it. You know, I've gone through the chronic stress. I've gone through divorce. I've gone through, you know, anxiety and depression and addiction to marijuana and, you know, was able to come out the other side, you know, as a, as a better person after going through all those things. So I just want to be able to give back to the community and continue to educate myself because so much to learn 
in this community. I mean, you, mm-hmm. our classes, it's just phenomenal. It's like, holy cow, I got to read this book and I got to read that book. <laughs> I'm like, oh my, I'm like, oh, I'm 48. I'm already falling behind. I'm like, oh my my book list is ridiculous. I'm like, all I right, know. so I'll finish this by like after the next three lifetimes I live right? exactly. somewhere around there. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, there's just so much to learn in this space. I feel like a kid in a candy shop. Yeah. I'm just trying to be a sponge and take in as much as I can because this is my new passion mm-hmm. and uh, I just want to be able to give back. So I hope, um, you know, again, you know, just, I did not give up. I came close. I came close, you know, and, you know, life is hard. And, you know, that's the message for people out there is don't give up. You know, I could have locked myself in my house and self-medicated and been a complete mess. And I did that for a year and a half, but I finally kicked it and um, was able to keep moving. And that's the thing is that if you're not sure where you're headed, just keep getting things done and signing up for being true to you volunteering at soul quest, um, has opened doors, you know, for me just to, you know, continue my own work, but also to be able to give back to society in a way that I think the reason why I'm meant to be here, you know, everything that I've been through in my life and all the different jobs and, you know, leadership positions that I've had and et cetera, and speaking that I've done publicly has made me ready for this to be an integration specialist to help others. So, I'm ready. Yeah, mm-hmm. you definitely are. You are um you are a beautiful light in this world and it Thank serendipitously you. I was going to ask you if you could leave the listeners in the world with one message what would it be and you already answered it is to not give up and Don't give up. Yeah. Don't I give just... up guys. It's hard, I know. Life is hard. They don't talk about this when we're young. They don't yeah. talk about these tough conversations that you know these difficult times in our lives that we'll have no one talks about this it's taboo it's stigma I'm like oh my gosh don't be don't be so vulnerable Armando you know but you know I in some people will judge and that's okay I'm comfortable and confident in who I am and uh, I know who I am as as a person and I know that I've never been a more genuine authentic person and you know it's time for me to give back absolutely yeah you have You've walked through the fires time and time again, and now you yeah. have become the flame. You've become you the go. light. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing your voice, for doing this work, and for really being a light and an inspiration for others to do the same. I have absolutely no doubt in my heart that you are going to impact many, many lives. And I know that you already have, and you've really been a light in this course in the container of our group. And I was drawn to you for a reason. And I knew that there was some potent messages that needed to speak from your heart out into the world. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing all of this with the listeners. And I look forward to seeing everything that you create and all the work that you do. And maybe I will be in one of your ceremony spaces in Mm. the near or distant future as well. Mm. I would absolutely love that. Well, thank you, Sarah. I have um, nothing but um, wonderful words to say about you and the work that you're doing. And I've listened to uh, several of your podcasts now and the information that you're sharing with others. And this is just the beginning for you. And uh, this is just a wonderful moment for all of us to be doing this work and for us to share it and have nothing but love and respect for you, sister. So I appreciate you. 
Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you too. And thank you so much to our listeners. It has been an honor to have you in our, in our hearts in this space today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I wish you all a beautiful day. Well, beautiful souls, thank you so much for listening. I would have asked Armando to share where you can all find him, but he is currently in a phase of deep presence with life and lack thereof with social media. So I have dropped his Facebook link in the comments section if you feel deeply called to connect with him. Otherwise, stay tuned to my stories on Instagram for future podcast announcements and any collaborations with Armando in the medicine and coaching world in the near future. As always, if this conversation brought you value or if you've just been enjoying the podcast as a whole, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could give it a review on whatever host you listen on and to share it to just one person whether through the word of mouth, text, social media. As we help one another heal, we contribute to the healing of the collective. So keep your hearts and your eyes open, fam. So much love from my big little soul to yours.